here today um, with Sean Helby and Brianna Mays of Boulder People and also Ingrid Alonji, the CEO of Quick Left. And I'm Becky Gallery, and I actually worked for you for about two years. Um, you how I got my start in the tech community. So we just wanted to ask you a little questions, a few questions about yourself. And um, I guess first, you're a Boulder native. Yeah, um, I am a Boulder native and it's been really fun being able to grow a business right here where I'm from. I, of course, left for a while. You have to do you know, your obligatory leave, leave home for at least a little while. Um, but I was really excited when I got the chance to come back. And none of the tech startup community that we have here um, was here when I left. So it was really cool to be able to come back and see all these new opportunities to um, start tech businesses and be involved in a kind of growing creative community. And what did you do when you were gone? Because you're in San Diego, right? What That's were you correct. doing there that kind of helped continue that love of tech? And how did you even get started? Yeah, so I graduated from the University of Colorado with a double major in philosophy and women's studies. And during that time, I was sure that I was going to figure out something to do with my life, but I wasn't quite sure what yet. And so I did what um, people used to do back then. Um, nowadays, they um, start businesses, but back then, they uh, <laughs> go to grad school. <laughs> so I went to San Diego State, um, which has actually the first women's studies master's degree program in the United States, started there in San Diego, um, to do my master's degree in women's studies. My focus was actually gender and technology. So um, I had this professor who became my thesis chair, uh, Pat Huckle, who had us all do a web portfolio class. And so we had to design a, a, just a website uh, featuring kind of us and you know, our resume and things like that. And I was just immediately hooked. Um, the overwhelming part about studying um, kind of bigger social issues of race, class, and gender, you know, me wanting to solve problems, it was overwhelming that there were huge problems that couldn't be solved very quickly um, or maybe even within your lifetime. And so being able to write some code on a computer and see the results immediately, just something about that really balanced out um, the needs I had during my education to be able to solve something. Uh, so what I did then was added a sort of a self-directed minor in computer science. I just started adding computer science classes to my curriculum and I it did take me a little bit longer to finish my master's degree because I was taking on more classes. but. Um, and then, of course, I was also working in the computer lab, so I had a lot of um, chances to do kind of hands-on instruction. Um, I was teaching an access database class. I was also helping students just with um, what was called Pine Mail. It was Unix-based um, email accounts. So all the you know, kind of commands. Yahoo is just coming out. So people were getting Yahoo email addresses, yeah. things like that. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but that was making me sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> people joke that my current Yahoo address um, doesn't make me uncool, it makes me retro cool. <laughs> Alright, so that's where we can talk about electromute.com. <laughs> that is where you can talk about that because I've had the handle electromute since college actually, so since I was at CU. Um, I was logging in with a 2400 baud modem to uh, a chat board for called Mountain Raves. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a chat room for the raving community here, and um, I was trying to think of like a cool electro name, and that's sort of what I came oh, okay. up with, and it, it's stuck. Um, so there you have it. I think that's so, like, it's, it's so bad it's good. 
at I, this point? No, it's I like never, a classic? Well, I don't think Electromute ever went the bad way like my tattoo kind of is bad. Uh, <laughs> like that 90s um, armband that I've got. Um, it's, it's bad. But I don't think Electromute has ever suffered in the bad category. <laughs> it's, it's funny because you're really well-spoken. Well, thank you. But on your website, it, it says, uh, I've got experience with Code Igniter for PHP. Oh, my gosh. Mostly use Zen Doctrine when it comes to PHP. And then period, new sentence, got some jQuery too. <laughs> so I think that the last time I edited that site might have been in 2009. It's so good. Nice. Now, now maybe I need to leave it like that because now it's so bad. Yes. <laughs> you know what's even worse is now that I run a company and we're almost five years old, I, I think it's um, I think people actually go to that site <laughs> and they must Research. be like, it's amazing how people actually get somewhere yeah. in this business. I need to fix that. Every time, <laughs> no, every I, time I go to fix my uh, site, there's a WordPress update to do. And so my little t window of time is spent upgrading WordPress <laughs> and not actually writing. <laughs> not to mention writing is something that it, I actually struggle with. So even you know, kind of going back to San Diego, I, um, I actually struggle with my master's thesis because um, writing is just not something that comes easily to me. My thesis chair had us meet every week, and we would work on my thesis every week. I wouldn't have been able to finish it without her. And the struggle is true to this day. If you go to that <laughs> blog or the Quick Left blog, you'll see uh, very few posts by me. And it should be my job to write. I'm sure Becca remembers trying to get me to blog to no avail. <laughs> oh, it's hard for everyone. <laughs> well, what actually, that's a question I have for you now. So when, yeah, I know what you were doing when I was there, um, but that was at least two years ago now, a little more. So what is it, what's your day-to-day -day look like now? I mean, that you guys have grown so much. You know, it's funny because um, part of me has this image in my head that my role will shift into this imaginary kind of CEO role that I have. <laughs> and it, it never gets there. And I, I have to remind myself that it's just, that is what I'm doing. So one thing that I'm doing a lot more of now that I didn't do is I'm doing a lot more uh, speaking engagements and talking a lot about women in technology, which has been really fun. So I got my master's degree in women's studies and I never thought I'd be able to actually be able to speak about um, these issues in this industry. So that's been something I've been doing lately. Um, I've, I'm managing a lot more different kinds of people, which is new for me. So I've always, I've had a lot of experience managing engineers and running a, a dev team, but what has been really new for me is managing non-engineers and realizing kind of that they see things differently or they look at process differently. So that's been a lot of, of learning there. So yeah, it's, it's more, my job is more about communication now than it used to be. Got it. And what are the, some of the things, I guess I asked out of my own curiosity, just from starting a company recently myself, what are some of the things that kept you up at night in the beginning of the quick left days, and, and how is that different from what keeps you up now? Some of the things are the same, cash flow, being a non-venture backed company, um, and the shift only gets bigger. 
So I remember one time, you know, we were trying to make payroll and I, we got this $11,000 check in the mail and I walked right over to Wells Fargo and deposited it. It wasn't $11,000. It's funny that it's the same feeling except for now it's like a larger scale. So the risks in that way have gone up, but at the same time, my ability to manage that risk has um, gotten better. So I am not as worried about, um, you know, money issues as I was when we started. And I feel more confident that I have the right team around me that we're going to, you know, accomplish what we need to accomplish and we're going to make it. Um, so my, the things that keep me up at night now are more about optimizing and getting better rather than just simply surviving. And that's a really good feeling. Cool. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it does happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word on yeah, that. That's good to hear. Um, what are what are things you, you've done to keep you sane and not freaking out during this all of it? <laughs> not always successful, but um, it's sometimes you just have to fake it. So I <laughs> I um, for me, um, making commitments to other people is a great motivator and the way I do that is um, joining a women's cycling team and, and signing up for races and, and um, having a coach that I, you know, just being accountable to people and other teammates like people are, is a good motivator for me. So figuring out what a good motivator for you is, is really key to finding that balance. And, you know, do you need someone else to get you out of the house or do you need, um, you know, what's kind of your trigger? So that's, that was really good. So I spent, um, a few years racing and training, and that's one of the ways that's really helped me keep balance. Um, this year, I've taken a break from racing as we merged with the product company Sprintly, and now we have offices in Portland and San Francisco. I've been traveling more, and I really just want to enjoy travel and enjoy um, hanging out with the other teams and not feeling like I have to leave at 5 o'clock to go ride my bike and miss out on some of those connections that are really important. Cool. What are the things, some of the things that have been like either surprising you or really good about growing the team from you know four when you started to, to 40 something where you're at now? <laughs> um, well, what's really been the biggest surprise is how, um, how, I mean, not that I was surprised because I didn't think it would happen, but I guess it, it happened in a different way I didn't expect, which is how people, how the company and the people outgrow each other. So the people that we started with are people that I, that maybe aren't here anymore, but um, such as yourself. And, um, you know, part of me was just felt like we were all just going to be, uh, you know, one big happy family. But at the same time, like, you know, the company we were when we started is a lot different than we are now. And, um, and so even though I kind of knew that was going to happen, it, when it did happen, it was a little surprising. And over the years, we've kind of cycled through a different, a few different kind of groups of people as we've grown and changed. Is that yeah? How do you how do you think about company vision in terms of like when you started? I, I doubt it was what it is. The vision is what it is now. How does that how's that grown and evolved? And how do you know you're on the right track? Right. There's so there's definitely some themes, um, but vision is a funny thing for me because it's hard to have. Um, like a clear vision when you are still kind of getting a lay of the land. And so when a company is really young, I think it's important um, to have some shared core values. So ours was uh, creating good engineering products. 
but I, I did resist the notion of having a prescriptive vision because um, it just feels like you need to get, um, yeah, the lay of the land and kind of figure out what, what there is around you. So as we've grown though and gotten more experience and kind of figured out where our sweet spot is, now creating that vision is uh, a little bit easier but also uh, more realistic. So I think some of the vision statements we tried to have when we were younger seemed a little bit like they had buzzwords in them and they seemed cool, but they didn't quite fit who we were um, and who we were trying to be, but we didn't quite know it. And so yeah, that, I, I think that tension when you're starting with a vision statement and a vision and core values is, is real and, and it might take time to kind of get there. Cool, it's good to hear. Yes. How about, how about? Yeah, don't feel pressured to, <laughs> <laughs> to like have your your hundred percent vision. You know, early um, you can you can have guiding themes. You can have bumpers. You know, on the sides. But um, yeah, I, I feel like that was something that I really struggled with. Was feeling like I had to have like the the map, mm -hmm. which you're not going to have the map because you know having a map <laughs> is great, but then. When you're on a map and you're going somewhere, you actually miss some of the side roads and some of the scenery along the way. So if you have an open mind to some of the opportunities that come up, um, for instance, our merger with Sprintly, it's not something we were looking for, but had we had such a strict direction goal, we might have missed a really great opportunity um, to grow in a, in a direction we were really wanting to do. That makes sense. How about, how about, this is a little different, the Boulder tech scene. I mean, you said when you came back, it was just, how have you seen that grow, and, and what do you see coming out of that? And, oh, it's, it's been exploding. I mean, I think, didn't we used to have our hack fest like once a week? <laughs> <laughs> because we could. Could you imagine? Yeah. No. Because we could. <gasps> now, there are so many events and so many great things happening in the community that we've actually moved our hack fest to once a quarter. Yeah, we moved to, to once a month for a while, and now... It's once a quarter, but I mean, you can literally like not buy dinner and beer almost every night of the week because <laughs> there's so many so great many events. events. And so that's one thing that's been really exciting to see in Boulder is just how many creative people are kind of coming together and we have this really great small space and, and it's creativity in a lot of different industries. We have a great food industry. We've got, you know, so many different things happening here. So it's great to see like a small hippie town um, you know, really put um, themselves on the map. Yeah. So uh, we zoomed ahead and talked about grad school, and I've never heard you talk about your childhood growing up here in Boulder. Um, just what was that like? How, how, what, growing up in your family and everything? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. People don't generally ask me about anything before. They always want to know, like, how I started in my career. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah, growing up here was fun. Um, I, I went to Foothills Elementary when I was a like, Kid. When I moved around a lot, my parents got divorced, so we went to probably every Boulder school there was. But back in those days, you could walk to school by yourself. So me and my brother would walk to school. Like, <laughs> no one would get in trouble, and it, and it was fun. So it was really cool because we, you know, we got to really um, learn how to be responsible and on our own and think independently and things like that. Um, we, my dad started bike racing um, probably when I was like seven or eight. So we used to go with him to his races and watch, and they were so cool, and it was so fun and exciting. And one day, we were walking downtown Boulder with my dad, and I think he did this on purpose, because he knew this was happening, but there were kids racing in downtown <laughs> Criterium. 
Red Singer mini classic, and we were just like, what? <laughs> Kids can race? <laughs> so that Christmas, we got these terrible, heavy kids' bikes with 24-inch wheels, small wheels, red jetons, matching bikes, and we were off to the races. So um, that was the next year. I think I was 12. My brother was 11. We did the Denver Mini Classic, and um, I had, like, you know, one of those bell helmets with the white hard shell and the red reflective strips. <laughs> and, you know, because we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money, so we, we kind of scrounged things together. So I also, for my sunglasses, I had, you know, those glasses you get, those big ones after you go to the eye doctors. <laughs> those are what I wear. I got second to last. <laughs> Come along, so, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't give up. I don't know why I didn't give up after getting second to last, but I just loved, um, cycling was something that I just loved being able to go fast and be outside. And then the social side of it um, was really conducive to me. Like you get to talk about like the cool move you made and it's just that excitement about kind of recapping the race with your friends. This was really fun. So um, it was also neat because as I was moving around to different schools, there was always sort of this one group of people that you raced with every summer. So it was kind of nice to have that consistency as well. Let's just add a little story here, which is that Ingrid once took me cycling <laughs> before they, they closed the, well, the velodrome. Oh, so, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I was racing downhill mountain bikes at this time, and that was easily one of the scariest rides I've ever done because it was on a 45-degree <laughs> incline. Put, uh, was I, I think it was clipped. Clipped, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was terrifying because you have to keep your speed and that was way scarier than any mountain bike ride I had done at that point so she talks about it like it's some casual thing but it's actually really terrifying <laughs> most people don't learn don't ride their first velodrome on such a, a steep angled velodrome most people get to ride on something that's a little more calm <laughs> so you can ride that one you, you I feel like that's always been the style here of just <laughs> trial by fire. <laughs> and we've always figured it out. Yes, very so. true. Very true. Yeah, so growing up here was really fun. And, you know, I think the economics of Boulder have changed a lot. So, um, you know, it wasn't quite as um, sort of upper class, I would say. Growing up here is quite a bit different. Um, I have friends who, a friend of mine from high school, his wife is now a counselor at Boulder High, and she says it's interesting to see kind of some of the changes in the demographics here over the years. I feel like I've seen just a little bit of that just in the last six years, which is surprising to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you, have, do you have any advice for anyone starting out their career in, in the tech field or in general or in Boulder? What would you say to someone just coming in? Yeah, so what I would say is you know, one of the things that I felt like I needed to do when I started was I felt like I had to um, go to every event, and when I went to conferences, I had to go to every panel and just kind of be out there and talk to a million people, and, and while that's a great goal, if it's not your style or you're introverted or it's too much, it's really important to kind of figure out what fits you for the long term in terms of like how you define yourself, how you define your company, um, the other thing is, um, I think it's also important not to, it's important to know what your competition is doing, but it's really important to focus on yourself and your own product or your own values or the, your own goals. 
because you can get really distracted by sort of trying to constantly keep up with a competitor. Um, and there may be enough room for lots of different people in the space, so you can be a, a, a distraction that's not even you know, worth being distracted by. Um, I think it's also important you know, to create balance in your life, whether it's um, getting together with friends and family on the weekends or going out and hiking, um, just making some time to you know, regroup and relax. And then of course, having a good community around you um, of people with you know, just shared core values, whether you're, it's your co-founders or you know, find, find people, you don't necessarily have to be friends. My, my co-founders and I weren't exactly, we didn't know each other that well or weren't friends when we started, but we knew we had a really important set of core values um, to kind of keep us aligned together. When you were talking about like trying to balance it out and whether that means spending time with family and friends or going hiking, um, has it changed at all or um, is there a way to like overcome the, um, I know for personally, if I do that, if I'm like, I'm gonna go on a hike because I feel the need to go on a hike, I feel really guilty about not doing work. <laughs> um, is there a way to overcome that or have you been able to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. I used to, yeah, I used to have a hard time going to lunch because I felt like I had so much work to do and I still have trouble going to lunch. <laughs> um, I was really have so much eat in front of your computer. I know, it is a rule I break very often. But now what I do is uh, if I'm eating in front of my computer, I'm actually like, it's a time for me to read articles or I'm sitting with other coworkers and talking. So yeah, I think, it's gotten easier because what I've realized is that the pace is just not getting any, it's not, it will never lighten up. So if you don't start to make those changes, it's just, they're not going to change. So it's been a gradual thing. It's probably going to be a constant battle, <laughs> but you know, I get, you know, I sleep well at night. I don't stay up past 10 really, you know, there's a lot of things that I've changed maybe kind of throughout the day, but the lunch one is still a challenge. I don't like lunch. Lunch, <laughs> lunch is it, um, it, you know, depending on what I eat, like I feel tired after lunch, it's sort of like, lunch is always it's a little bit afflicting for me. That's fair. <laughs> Feels like an interruption. <laughs> it's terrible. No, I can agree with that. <laughs> so. So I've never worked a quick left. A lot of my friends like Becca have. Um, you know, as an outsider still, you're a role model, role model in our community for men and women, right? Uh, who are some people around here locally that you're just inspired by, or projects that you're really fascinated with that you think are cool? Uh, yeah, gosh, that's a really great question. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the compliments. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the people that I really admire in town is Nicole Glaros at, over at Techstars. I she think. makes me nervous. You guys both make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, just because you're like you're so powerful. It's, it's like, but uh, but uh, no, she's really cool though. She's so nice. Speaking of things that I've learned, and Becca knows this, is when you become a developer and then you come become a boss, people like stop talking to you because now all of a sudden you're a boss. Yeah. It, that was a weird thing. For me. <laughs> Um, no, Nicole, she's so nice though. She is. She is. 
But you know, when, when the thing that inspires me about her is that she's really good at taking time for herself and her family. She's got two kids um, and her you know, exercise routine. And she's really organized and she has a ton of energy. I wish I had that much energy. But Techstar is definitely, she's been able to kind of keep the momentum going and taking it, take it up a notch. Um, so that's a huge accomplishment. Um, she's definitely probably one of the hardest working but most balanced people I've ever met. Yep. Uh, any other projects or uh, startups that you're curious about? Or? Yeah, um, we are doing a home automation hack fest coming up with a company called Chewy, which does some facial recognition stuff. They were in Boomtown, um, and that is fascinating. Uh, there's another startup I'm mentoring in Techstars that's doing um, a hardware-based uh, application. So those are some of the things I'm really excited about that are happening here in Boulder are some of the products that are you know kind of going in between the hardware and software world. Um, Ubali is another one that's really cool. Are you referring to Final Card at Techstars? Or? Uh, Loop. Loop? Mm -hmm. Final Card is like a cool. not hardware-based one. Cool. Awesome. But they're also awesome. <laughs> Great group this year. Cool. What about things that you're looking forward to, either for Quick Left and Sprintly, or, or just you personally? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, growing our consultancy a little bit more in terms of, you know, we've got a great recognition and group of clients here in Boulder, but um, I'm excited to expand that kind of more into our San Francisco office, which is growing. We had a few people from this office that wanted to relocate there, so have moved. And then our Portland office as well. Just, we have Portland people working on client work, but I'd really love to be able to get local Portland clients and it's kind of expand. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and then I'm just looking forward to getting Sprintly um, kind of to the next level. So we've really been focusing on the consulting business thus far this year, the consulting business that's funding the product. Um, and we're kind of in a great place, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting a lot of attention and energy into product and getting our product um, going more users, better features, some of the things we have planned are really exciting. Awesome. Very well. That's, yeah, that's all we've got, I think. Thank you, Grit. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you yeah. so much. It was fun. Thanks.